and welcome to the AFC South Division Preview Podcast. I'm Drew DeLuca, Editor-in-Chief of QB List, and with me today, again, is Brian Hartman, one of our new guys, who got a chance to know through the Scott Fishbowl Potathon and the Fantasy Football Expo. Brian, great to share the show with you again. What's going on? Oh, just another night full of football. Can't go wrong there, right? Yeah. We are excited to welcome a special guest to the show. He's a resident expert in the Las Vegas Raiders in the AFC West. I had the pleasure of meeting him in person at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton. We're happy to welcome Matt Donnelly of Dynasty Vipers to our Division Series special. Welcome in. All right, welcome, Matt. How you, how you doing? Hope you're well. Ready to talk some AFC West football? I am. It was fun meeting Brian because you know when you see people doing a podcast, you think you try and guess how tall they actually are. Brian's a big dude, man. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm a big guy, but I look like Mr. Potato Head. Like I'm more rounded than most people. I mean, Brian's like six foot seven. I mean, there's like two of these guys that were like six foot seven standing around me. I'm like, oh man, I, I feel like a dwarf. I feel like the Raiders of the AFC West standing next to everyone else, like towering over top of me. Yeah, first first thing I saw when I saw Brian's like, I want to play some pickup basketball right now. I gotta get this guy on my team. So yeah, that's what weird. I was hoping for at the expo. Everybody's worried about this flag football game. I'm like, come on, let's support the tall guys here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I get we we gotta get you at the in the uh What's it? The flag football gets you some fifty-fifty jump balls. Take care of that high yeah. point. Yeah, exactly right. Absolutely. Well, we had some Ninja Warrior stuff going on there too. I think somewhere at the coffee shop, there's some Ninja Warrior action going on or something. Like, <laughs> I missed it. I didn't see it, yeah. but I heard this was going down. Yeah, I missed that too. I heard that. It sounds pretty fun, actually. So I'm down to watch that next year. All right, let's get right into the AFC West preview. So we'll start with the Denver Broncos. So. From a notable addition standpoint, they did add Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey, who were two starters to the offensive line that offer a significant upgrade that was sorely needed. Uh, they added Samaji Ryan, running back from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which is he's going to play a key role as Javante Williams works back to health. And in the NFL draft, of course, in the second round this year, the Broncos selected wide receiver Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, uh, a guy that a lot of people are pretty excited about this year. He's going to play a larger role this year than expected. He's kind of baptism by fire for Marvin Mims this year with Tim Patrick out for the season with an Achilles injury after missing last season with a torn ACL. So we're thinking about Timmy Patrick and hope he heals up pretty quickly there. That's just heartbreaking to see him work back to shape after you know a major injury only to go out with another one. So uh, as far as other than, from, other than that, from a departure standpoint, there wasn't really anyone of significance that left the team offensively from a coaching perspective. Uh, lots of changes, though. So Sean Payton comes in as the new head coach, formerly the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Joe Lombardi, the former quarterback's coach under Payton in New Orleans, is now the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers previously to that. And then the former Denver head coach, more recently the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, Vance Joseph, comes back to town to run the defense. So a lot, lot of changes in the coaching staff there for the Denver Broncos as they try to turn things around. So we mentioned it before. We'll make him the focus of the big question here for the Denver Broncos, and that is Javante Williams. He's coming off of major knee surgery, and but Samaji P. Ryan, as we mentioned, was brought in to manage his workload. So we kind of know not to get too high really on Javante, despite numerous positive press reports about his progress in play. So let's kind of get right to the bigger question then surround this whole entire offense. Will Sean Payton be able to resurrect this offense? Will What should we expect from Russell Williams, Russell Wilson, I'm sorry, and the wide receiver tandem of Jerry Judy and Corton Sutton in particular? So, Matt, we'll kick it to you. 
do you think Sean Payton's going to bring this offense around? He can't make it any worse. We're talking about a team that only only the Colts and the Texans had a worse points differential in 2022 than the Broncos had. And again, no team scored fewer points than the Broncos. So really, <laughs> scoring no the fewest points in the league, you can't get any worse than that. I mean, you're talking about a team that scored 287 points. They gave up 359. That's a negative 72 on the differential scale. Their passing offense ranked 22nd, averaging 202.6 yards per game. Their run offense was good, and that was because of Javante Williams. I don't think he is what he is. I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little bit later. I have trust issues. Fantasy football has created trust issues in me. And I know we're hearing positive reports out of Broncos camp. Sean Payton is saying all the right things when it comes to Javante Williams. First off, Sean Payton talks too much. We've heard him all offseason talking. He's been trash-talking former coaches that he's never even worked with at the Denver Broncos that are now, I think they're in New York, right? I mean, that's basically where Nathaniel Hackett ended up going. So you look at this kind of stuff. I mean, this offense can't be any worse. But the one thing that Payton did, going back to his New Orleans days, was rectify that offensive line. Most notably, in the inside of that offensive line. Now, we did see what the Broncos did in this offseason. You talk about those additions, Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey, two offensive linemen. They overpaid to bring them in there. Mike McGlinchey isn't what we wanted him to be when he was with San Francisco. He's quite not as dependable, but he's still an upgrade on what the Broncos had. The reason for this is Russell Wilson has been hit more often than any quarterback in like the last six seasons. Those hits mm. are starting to add up. The pressure rate through preseason, I think, was 64% there in the last game that they played. That's going to be problematic. So they got to get that offensive line fixed before Russell uh, Wilson can start cooking in that Broncos kitchen. God, I hope he doesn't open his mouth. Speaking of people who need to keep their mouth shut, Russell Wilson, please, please, for, no more let's get dangerous. No more Subway danger sandwiches. Just go out there and play some football. No more working out on the airplane. Even the Arizona Cardinals are making fun of you. Like Arizona, did you guys catch that meme where Arizona's like, that man does not exist. That, that meme with that girl doing that yes. thing, but she yes. some other oh, word. And it's Russell yeah. Wilson doing yeah. exercises in the airplane. Even the Arizona Cardinals are making fun of Russell Wilson. That's where we are at. Yeah, have we seen him blink? Does he blink uh, horizontally or vertically? We know. I don't know. He, <laughs> he's a different dude. You know, all the power to him. But yeah. the, the Arizona Cardinals, they did him wrong. Russell Wilson's expecting another child here any day now or whenever that looks like. But they still did him dirty. And you know what? He probably deserved it. But it comes down to what this running game looks like. Because we had on the Viper cast not too long ago, Robert Turbin, who happened to play with Russell Wilson in Seattle. And Russell Wilson is a check down to touchdown type quarterback, meaning he has no problem passing it off to his running backs. We talked about Trevor Lawrence in there in Jacksonville, who was one of the lowest uh, check down rates in the NFL. Russell Wilson will check it down. We know Javante Williams can catch the ball. Samaje Pirine is a very good pass catcher and one of the top pass blocking running backs in the game. That's something people forget about. If your quarterback got lit up last season, and that's with Javante Williams in the backfield, Samaje Pirine is not just there to run the ball. He's not just there to catch the ball. He's there to protect Russell Wilson. That's something that Sean Payton's always done is keep these running backs rotating through which is why I find it weird that Peyton's talking about John Day Williams being good, but yet they had no problem paying $7.5 million over two years to a backup running back in Samaji Pirine. And I know I'm going to touch on him a little bit later on. 
Yeah. So that, great points, all that. So what do we, what should we expect then from Russell Wilson and that, and especially the tandem of the wide receiver tandem there, Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton. Sutton. I think Jerry, Judy, people are kind of all over the map on him. There's people that are really, really high on him. There's people who are fading him pretty tough. So where, where are you on Judy and Sutton and what should we expect from those two and Russell Wilson? Well, the other thing, when Peyton comes in to fix this offense, he has to find a way to get Cortland Sutton going at the same time Jerry Judy goes. These two did not get on the same page and produce at the same time at any point last season. And that's a big-time problem because when Cortland Sutton was injured, Jerry Judy would go off. When Jerry Judy was injured, Cortland Sutton had his best games. They need to get both these guys going at the same time. K.J. Handler's already dealing with an injury. He was already cut. Maybe he gets brought back. Tim Patrick, he's not coming back. The man's got horrible luck. I mean, I love Tim Patrick. It's just not for you right now. So they're already down two wide receivers. They can't lose anyone else. But Marvin Mims, I love Marvin Mims as a rookie wide receiver. He is that guy that is going to stretch out a defense as long as Russell Wilson can find a way to get the ball deep, which is something that he struggled with last season. So that's going to be, and again, that comes down to that offensive line. That comes down with that pass blocking scheme. That comes down to pressure rate. If Russell Wilson has some time, and I think that line's going to get better, then we're going to be able to see them attack down the seams there with Marvin Mims because the guy's got speed. He's everything that we wanted Jordan Addison to be, except he's got the speed to go with it. Addison, he's a great ball player, but he doesn't have that elite speed that Marvin Mims brings to the table. We saw what he did at Oklahoma. He was out there breaking CD Lamb type numbers there at his time there at targets and yards per reception, all that fun stuff. So this is an offense I see as having an opportunity to be good, but it comes down to that offensive line. If Peyton can fix that offensive line, then he's going to be able to fix Russell Wilson, which is going to fix this offense. Again, it's not no, nowhere to go but up. That's fantastic takes there, and I agree. I, I we really they really set the bar pretty low. It's a pretty low bar from the jump over this year, but there is definitely some serious upside there. And I love the what everything you had to say about Marvin Mims. He, he's somebody we should all yeah. be watching. The Denver Broncos are the Matt Donnelly of fantasy football. They really are. I set that bar extremely low, so every once in a while I trip over, and people praise me for exceeding expectations. So, Denver, that bar is low. You have to exceed this season. That's the way it's going to break it down. Hey, you set the bar low, you you know, you're never disappointed. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, Kansas City Chiefs, we move on to those guys, the uh, reigning Super Bowl champions, unfortunately for me, being the Eagles fan. That was – Hard, a hard pill to swallow there the last 90 seconds there, but we're moving on. So notable additions for the Kansas City Chiefs. Wide receiver Richie James comes over from the New York Giants. It's an interesting name to watch. In the NFL draft, they added a, another wide receiver in the form of Rasheed Rice from SMU in the second round. Uh, and then he's not really a new addition, but someone to watch. And that is a 2022 UDFA undrafted free agent, Justin Ross, who missed all of last season. He's now active, and per beat reports, has an inside track on making the Chiefs' 53-man roster. So we're all pulling for him after everything that he's gone through. So, but t- elite talent. He broke out as a freshman at Clemson. Uh, one of the better uh, freshman seasons I've seen from a Clemson receiver. And that says something because they've had a lot of great receivers come from there. Uh, on the departure side, they lost Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now a member of the New England Patriots, and Nicole Hardman, now with the Jets. Uh, and coaching changes, we have Matt Nagy, former Bears head coach and Delaware Blue Hen, and Kansas City quarterbacks coach, and he steps into that vacancy created by Eric Bieniemy's move to the Washington Commanders. 
So big questions here for the Chiefs, and we got a couple of them here because this is a team that's on a, the short list of the most powerful offenses in the league. Number one, the Chiefs have, have had a running back carousel of sorts in recent years, and they really haven't had a player that's led the team in back-to-back seasons in that department since Kareem Hunt. So how should we approach this Kansas City backfield? Matt, I'll throw it to you. Very cautiously. I think what we saw last season is what we're going to get this season. I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B type approach with Jarek McKinnon, with Isaiah Pacheco. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Daenerik Price fits into here somehow, some way as well. But we saw what Pacheco did from, like I think, weeks 10 through 17. I think he was sixth in the league in rushing yards, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, the Chiefs don't like to run the ball when they're inside the five-yard line. In fact, they actually like to pass the ball in that area. And that ball is getting passed to not Travis Kelsey, but Jarek McKinnon. So they run a very interesting five-yards-and-in type offense where they're even – if it's going to Travis Kelsey, it's on like one of those shuffle passes, right? It's it's basically mm-hmm. a extension of the run game. And same with Jared McKinnon. It's on a quick out or something quick. They can get him in time and space, and he's tough to defend because he is very agile for the running back. So I look at this much like I look at it last season, which is going to be interesting because we're trying to talk about an Eric Bieniemy installing his offense in Washington. Meanwhile, there's a lot of people that believe that Eric Bieniemy had nothing to do with this offense in Kansas City, and that's why he's been – not getting the coaching conversations that we've seen because three years ago, we thought Eric Bieniemy was a shoe in to be a head coach somewhere in the league. And that's never materialized. And the maybe it's because Kansas City always makes those deep runs and also the coaching game kind of gets cooled on him there. But if you want a guy who's doing good work, you think you're going to wait a little bit longer for Eric Bieniemy. So I think people were questioning, is this Andy Reid's offense or was this Eric Bieniemy's? Well, we're going to find out going into the season, how these running backs get used. I expect them to be used very similar to how they were last season. I think you can still flex both of these running backs. I just wouldn't put any of them in my RB1 or RB2, but I think a weekly flex, you can find uh, a spot for either one of these guys. Hell, yeah, I think hard we to left believe. one guy off. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we left a guy off the list here. He has burned us for multiple years now, but CEH, he's still in the roster here. I think that was a lot of the beauty behind Jarek McKinnon last year. (laughs) Nobody drafted him. Nobody wanted him. And that's where CEH is falling right now. He's going into the 18th round. So you're going to pick him up after week one on the waiver wire. But I still think he had three receiving touchdowns last year. So as great as McKinnon was in the receiving touchdown, I don't think we should shut the door on CEH. Uh, McKinnon does have a little bit more age on him. He did play well, but... uh, I guess it's just the investment versus, you know, you can cut CEH after week one if you pick him up with your last pick and you see he's absolutely doing nothing. But, you know, you are spending, you know, RB31 on Pacheco where you've got guys like, um, you know, Dalvin Cook, Swift, AJ Dillon, Khalil Herbert, other question marks, but, you know, maybe invest a little bit less in the Chiefs backfield because of those question marks and, you know, go grab a guy that has, you know, a less to fight to that number one priority. But, uh, not exactly advising, you know, to take him high, but hey, shot in the dark. I, I think there's nothing wrong with CEH again. Yeah, it's a decent stash. I mean, especially for where he's going. And like you said, McKinnon, he had nine touchdown catches last year, which is insane. Um, and he may have that again. He might not. He could he could finally start showing his age. He's a guy that relies on the speed and, you know, and 
other than your eyesight, I think, and your hearing when you're older, I think the speed tends, tends to go pretty early. So <laughs> well, I'm not sure how long he'll be able to keep this up, but I think he's definitely an interesting name to watch. That's a great, great poll there. So um, with number, the second question about this Chiefs offense is we all know that the passing game runs through Travis Kelsey, and you mentioned some of the theatrics that the Chiefs use with him in, in show, inside the five-yard line. Uh, he's obviously a major factor of moving the chains inside the, between the 20s as well. So, But who in redraft do we be putting our chips on to step up at the wide receiver position as a secondary option in this high-powered offense? Uh, Brian, we'll kick it to you first, then you, Matt. Well, going into the summer, I really, I wanted, I want Kadarius Tony. I want him so badly to not break anytime he steps onto the field. But you know what? We don't always get things the way we want it. So I'm backing off of it a little bit, especially as that price rose. Uh, Sky Moore is now the guy I'm, I'm looking to target right now. His ADP is, you know, drastically down there. You're going to look at it, guys around like uh, Jordan Addison and QJ. Uh, you know, a bunch of rookies. Uh, but I think this guy has a great opportunity. The issue we had last year was he just didn't get on the field. It's, obviously, it's a big problem. We want guys out on the field. But, you know, he's coming from a, a not a Power 5 school. He wasn't early to clear, which is ideal with these non-Power 5 schools. But I think just reps might have been his problem. So being that he was, I think, second and third in uh, route run when he was out on the field, I think that's great opportunity for him. He looks like he's going to be the slot guy. And Patrick Mahomes, he's been able to support multiple pass-catching options. So if McKinnon, you know, eases up a little bit on those receiving touchdowns, shares the wealth with the team a little bit more, I think we could see Sky Moore coming out as a decent RB or RB a wide receiver three this year. All right, Matt, what do you what's your take here on this uh, Kansas City wide receiver situation? Never have I ever drafted Kadarius Tony, and never will I ever draft Kadarius Tony. We're talking about a guy who had one game his entire NFL career where he went off for 170-plus yards against the Dallas Cowboys. Since that game, he has never topped 75 receiving yards. So I will not get behind Kadarius Toney. He's a hamstring injury away from missing the entire season. Oh, wait, he already had that injury, right? He already suffered a hamstring injury. Season hasn't started. I think he's pulled it's going to be Richie, It's going to end up being know. Richie James, right? It's really going to be at Richie James because nobody's talking about Richie James. But I'm with you. I, I love Sky Moore. I think this is the year. We wanted him to be something last season. We wanted Sky Moore to be that guy. Everything indicated that he was going to be given that opportunity. In fact, the wide receiver in front of him in Juju Smith-Schuster basically has his knees being held together by hubba bubba bubblegum, right? He's just <laughs> slightly healthier than Kadarius Tony, And yet he had 101 targets. Nicole Hardman had 31 targets, and he battled injury all last season. Any one of these Chiefs wide receivers, you are getting good value on. Sky Moore, you're drafting him late. Justin Ross, if you want a lottery ticket, he could be that lottery ticket. You talked about what he was able to do in Clemson. It sounds like he's back to health, and Mahomes is talking very highly of him. And Rasheed Rice is having one heck of a preseason. So any one of these guys could be the one. You're playing wide receiver roulette with this Chiefs offense. I don't know who to tell you. If I was to be a betting man, it would be on Sky Moore. But none of these other guys would surprise me. Whoever Mahomes has that rapport built with is going to get there. And, hey, all the power to you because you're – I mean, Rice, you're probably paying them. Justin Ross is probably the biggest lottery ticket because I, I think he's probably going 18th, 19th round, last kind of sure. selection there. Rasheed Rice, you're still paying that rookie uh, price tag on. And Sky Moore, I mean, the hype – we as in the fantasy football community have been hyping Sky Moore – pretty much the entire offseason because 
really, there's no alpha wide receiver in this Chiefs wide receiver room because it does trip me Travis Kelsey. That being said, Jerry McKinnon is probably going to be second in targets when it's all said and done, right? That's basically how it's going to go. He's going to end up being second somehow, some way when it comes to the receiving game. But I think these wide receivers, you got some good options there. In Moore, who'd be my number one option, and then followed by Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross. But neither one of those guys having big seasons would surprise me at this point. Yeah, and I'm just going to say this to um, some of our um, listeners are coming on now, checking this out as they get ready for their redraft and uh, you're just kind of you haven't really been tuning in all pre all season all, all season and everything else. And uh, we look at this and we say this is a high powered Kansas City offense. Give me all the pieces. These, these wide receivers are not Pokemon cards. You do not want to collect them all. You just pick one, take them, <laughs> hope that it hits. If it doesn't, then you cut it. You cut them and you move on from there. So I lo- I like that you brought up Ross. I think he's a great late flyer for that reason. You're not having to invest a high pick on an uncertainty where you might be able to find uh, you know a guy who's going to command a, a much bigger target share and opportunity. So I, I loved what Ross, what Ross showed us uh, earlier on in his career. I like that he's getting a lot of buzz and he's getting a lot of playing time. So uh, I, I think my favorite of all these guys and where they're going in ADP is probably Justin Ross because he's pretty much free. Um, but sure. I, I could see taking a shot on Sky Moore if he falls, if Rasheed Rice falls. Those are all worthwhile dice rolls. Uh, and it's all about value for me. It's about who's going to give me the best value for where I'm picking. So um, I think we've kind of diced that up enough. Let's move on to your Las Vegas Raiders, Matt. So notable additions, we have Jacoby Myers coming over to bolster the wide receiving core. Uh, Josh Jacobs if we, is coming back. We, I guess we can call him an addition. And then now he's, it appears he will be coming back week one, uh, <laughs> even though he's not new to the team. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback, uh, coming in and replacing Derek Carr. And then Austin Hooper coming to bolster the tight end room. And then in the NFL draft, of course, round three, wide receiver Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. And then in round four, quarterback Aiden O'Connell from Purdue is getting a little bit of buzz here and there uh, in camp as well. So from the departure standpoint, we talked about Derek Carr going, taking his buddy Foster Moreau with him to the Saints. Uh, and also we uh, the, the Raiders lost Mac Hollins. Or AKA Jack Hollins, if you've seen the the workout video, the uh, high camp videos where he's he looks huge. He I don't that's not the same dude that I saw play for the Eagles about five years ago when he was like a stick figure. So uh, he's he's definitely been hitting the weights, which is good for him. So no coaching changes at all for the Raiders. So um, Matt, let's talk about the, uh, uh, the the Raiders here and some of the age durability concerns surrounding some of their. Uh, important fantasy options. We know that Garoppolo's had some shoulder, shoulder surgery issues in the past, and the two most important fantasy options are Devontae Adams, who turns 31 this season, even though he's playing at an extremely high level, and Josh Jacobs, who will be back, but logged a mind-boggling 393 touches last season. So should we be taking Adams and Jacobs as high as they're going in drafts, or should we look elsewhere, maybe hope they slip around or two? Where are you on Adams and Jacobs? I'm okay with taking both these guys in the second round when it comes down to it, Adams or Jacobs. Jacobs, he's proven to us that he doesn't need no stinking practice to come out there. I mean, I think he missed a week of practice, came out and ran for 200 yards last year. Jacobs, he's just doing this to piss with every fantasy manager out there because he doesn't like fantasy football. He has gone off and says, I don't care about your fantasy teams, and then gone out there and absolutely balled out. So I am not worried about Josh Jacobs, the person. And really when it comes down to it, I hate to talk about the devaluation of the position in the NFL, but 
we're listening to JT going out there and getting an opportunity to talk trades with other teams. We've seen what other teams have been getting in return. I think Christian McCaffrey yielded like a two and a five. I mean, you're not going to get that Trent Richardson haul that the Colts gave up. Remember that? They gave up a first-round pick to the Browns. I'm sorry to pick on the Colts here. You're just picking on me here at this point. What are you, what are you a lot of running backs need to come through Indianapolis one way or the other. But you look at this. I mean, we've seen running backs move. LaShawn McCoy not a big, did not yield a big return. So you're not going to get the return that you want from a team standpoint. You're not going to want to pay these guys because it doesn't make analytical sense because that's the way we're going. We're talking about analytics here. We're talking about team construction, where to spend your funds. So really the running backs unfortunately don't have the leverage. So I think Jacobs is going to come back, but who wants to go to preseason? Who wants to go through offseason camps, training camps? Nobody does. Josh Jacobs, you just talked about the workload that he's had. Only Derrick Henry has had more touches the last three seasons than Josh Jacobs. The dude just needs to take a little break off his body. That's all it is. He's the league-leading rusher. You just don't forget how to run the ball. And this offensive line is actually better this season than it was last season. So I see them improving there. Now, talk about Devontae Adams. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is. It really doesn't. He's like DeAndre Hopkins. He's that good of a wide receiver. It doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. He's going to catch it. Remember Jared Steedham? He still had a pretty good week there. So when I look at this, I have no concerns about either one of these guys because the one thing that Jimmy Garoppolo does well, and it's not throw a deep ball, is distribute the ball to his playmakers. I'm talking George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Debo Samuel. Jimmy Garoppolo knows how to get the ball into playmakers' hands. Right, He's never going to be that guy to push the ball down the field, but with Myers, with Hunter Renfro that people forgot about, Michael Mayer, uh, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, there are playmakers on this Vegas offense. I think this Vegas offense isn't going to miss a beat without Derek Carr. And I joked about this on the Viper cast uh, last night there. Aiden O'Connell could be the league-leading rookie quarterback in fantasy points per game this season because we know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, they don't have the same offensive pieces in place that the Raiders have to support a rookie quarterback. And Aiden O'Connell, he's thrown for like 300-plus yards, 26 of 36, a 125 pass rating. I know it's preseason. The guy has got some – he's got a big set on him. He really does. I mean, I, I think there's a story that he walked up to Fred Warner during practice and say, hey, lace him up. It's going to be a long day. I'm like, this is a rookie quarterback that looks like Officer Favre from Super Troopers coming out there and getting the work done. So – I really like this offense for Vegas. The defense, on the other hand, not so much. It's a work in progress. It has been coming over the last 15 years. Uh, We're starting to see some movement forward as far as this defense is concerned, but they've still got a way to go. Like When we look at what they did a a season ago, and you look at the numbers of what they look like, we're talking about a team that still scored 395 points with Derek Carr. That was more than the Chargers had, right? We all want to talk about how explosive this Chargers offense is, and yet the Raiders scored more points. Unfortunately, they also gave up the second most points in the AFC, 418. So when we look at their passing offense, sixth the last season. Sixth. They've actually, you could argue, they got better offensively as far as their, their uh, receivers are concerned. Their run offense was actually not the greatest, 121.1, and that's with the league-leading rusher in there. 
Now their passing defense, that was 29th. Run defense, 19th. So that's where they need to make that improvement to move forward, especially in such a good division. I would argue that the AFC West is probably the best division outside of the AFC North. I mean, this AFC conference, if you could predict who's going to make the playoffs, you're a better man than I am because I'm looking around and there's like three teams in every division that have the ability to make the playoffs. And in the AFC South, pretty much anyone can still make that playoff because they're all that close together. I really, at the beginning, I thought it was all Jacksonville, but Indianapolis, they kind of closed that gap a little bit. Houston, I think they're going to be better than advertised. I, I think they're going to win more than two games. I do. <laughs> Not much more than two games, but they're going to be competitive. But I look at this Raiders team. This division is going to be a lot better than people think it's going to be because Denver was not very good last season. The Raiders were not very good last season. So everyone was thinking this is just the Chargers and the Chiefs. We can't forget about the Raiders and the Broncos. Well, you can forget about the Broncos because they're the Broncos. But still, (laughs) don't forget about everyone in here. Nice. You sound like me talking about the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Well, when I look at this Raiders team, when I look at this Raiders team, Two years ago, 2021, they were 7-2 and two in one-score contests. In 2022, they lost 9 of 13 such contests. That's a team that's right there. Nine losses in one-score contests out of 13. This is a team that was 6-11, and 11, could very easily be playoff-caliber team if a few of those games go the other way. Yes, that's a narrative that's kind of uh, making everybody very happy to – Throw down some coin on the Detroit Lions, but the Raiders definitely not getting that love despite that similar situation. So you mentioned before, I'm just going to keep with the Raiders one more time since we're since we're riffing on them. Uh, you mentioned that Jimmy G is really good at distributing the football, um, and he's really good at kind of finding that guy underneath and all those things. So I'm just kind of trying to read the tea leaves here. Uh, Hunter Renfro seems to have disappeared from from the fantasy uh, landscape here. Uh, with Jacoby Myers coming in. How how is that accurate read? Uh, do we have it right as an in industry that Jacoby Myers is going to be the guy, and then Hunter Renfro is now persona non grata? We're not going to see him anymore. I don't think we're reading this right. I think Hunter Renfro is going to be better than advertised. We talked about Justin Ross being free. Well, Hunter Renfro is free right now. You talked about Clyde Edwards Hilaire being free. Hunter Renfro is a guy you can draft in the back end of your draft, last two rounds. And if he doesn't do what he's got to do, you can put him right back into the waivers. No Mm -hmm. risk, high reward type guy. The problem with that is Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro are both slot receivers. And Michael Mayer is a tight end that works out of the slot. You've only got Devontae Adams that's going to be out there on the X. So we got questions about can Jacoby Myers play opposite of Devontae Adams and kick Hunter Renfro inside? How is this going to look as an offense is concerned? Because that's where the problem is going to be. I think it's going to be a one week you're going to have a Hunter Renfro week. Another week you're going to have a Jacoby Myers. Hunter Renfro didn't just suddenly forget how to run a pattern. This is one of the best route runners in the National Football League. There's a reason why it's called third and Renfro. You cannot defend this guy on third down on a two-way go. It's impossible. The guy, can I say deceptively agile? I mean, he can shake you, he can bake you, and he can make you look damn silly. We saw some of the best DBs absolutely get turned around by a guy that looks like he should be filing your taxes. I mean, that's what Hunter Renfro is. receivers right there. Those Clemson you know what? Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is the poster child for the dad bod in the NFL. He gives the rest of us here hope that, you know what? I look like this. 
maybe I could someday play in the NFL. I mean, thank you, Hunter Renfro, for that. So I think his demise has been greatly exaggerated. He battled injury last season, and he's already come out and said, you know what, last season, that one's on me. And Jimmy Garoppolo, believe it or not, we talk about him not having a big arm. I talk about how he's able to distribute the ball. How about 7.9 yards per attempt last season? 7.9. You look at some of these other big arm quarterbacks, Josh Allen, 7.6 yards per attempt. So we look at this and yards per attempt is something that we definitely look at, but it's about him getting the ball to his playmaker's hands and then making something out of it. And Devontae Adams, one of the best to do it. Hunter Renfro is going to find a way to get open. Jacoby Myers, Hey, he's been playing for the Raiders going back to last season. We all remember what happened there. So I have no problem with Hunter Renfro this year. I think it shows you like Josh McDaniels loved that style of receiver coming out of, you know, the New England. Like he's had tons of those tiny slot guys, those quick shifty moving play. I fully think that he knew what he was doing, bringing in Jacoby Myers with Renfro, just adding in more of those quick little dump off passes, let Jimmy G do what he does best and just orchestrates, not putting too much in his hands, but just kind of letting him dink and dunk it. And then Adams will blaze down the field when, when necessary. I said those two should definitely should have PPR, full PPR. We can't be, we should not be forgetting Myers where he's going, nor should we be forgetting Hunter Renfro late in draft. So go ahead, keep adding on to that. No, I just remember, I think it was NFL Films that uh, captured the whole. Wes Welker was injured during the preseason talking with Bill Belichick, and Julian Edelman was on that team. And Bill Belichick, just I think he basically told Wes Welker, have you ever heard of uh, Wally Pip? And, well, one <laughs> thing led to another, and eventually it ended up happening. But, I mean, we know that this offense, going back to New England, that's basically what the Raiders are. They're the New England of the West. It can have two slot receivers and work out of it. We've watched this New England offense – work with two tight ends and have success. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's an opportunity here that this could work out for the Raiders and this entire offense altogether. It has to. I, I can't handle it if it can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, we'll move on to the Chargers. So there's no major free agent additions on the offensive side of the ball here in Los Angeles for the Chargers. They did add some talent, though, in the draft in the form of Quentin Johnson from Texas Christian University in the first round. Uh, they, in the fourth round, they added uh, Darius Davis, wide receiver from Texas Christian University in round four. And then in round seven, they drafted quarterback Max Duggan from, you guessed it, Texas Christian University. So I think they just drafted pretty much a third of the TCO offense, basically, uh, and, and the Chargers did there. No notable departures on the free aid uh, on the offensive side of the ball from a free agency perspective. Uh, and, but there is a pretty significant coaching change to talk about. And that is Kellen Moore, the Dallas's offensive coordinator coming over to run the offense for the chargers. So uh, he did not last long on the street when he was kicked to the curb by Dallas. Well, I, I'm thinking it was maybe 24 hours tops. And he was, uh, you know, the phone rang from the chargers and there he was. So Derek Ansley, the, Defensive backs coach from the Chargers rises up into the defensive coordinator position for the Chargers. Uh, so there's a few changes there from a coordinator perspective. So big question here by the Chargers. Let's start with Justin Herbert. Um, and that is he's on a lot of people's watch lists for a major bounce back season under new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. And Austin Eckler is still there to soak up a lot of those short game targets. Keenan Allen is still there. 
Mike Williams is still there. And the team, like we mentioned, added Quentin Johnson in the first round. Uh, and Gerald Everett has even been tabbed as someone we should watch given the success that Dalton Schultz had in Kellen Moore's offense last season. And there's a lot of potential there. So, uh, Matt, how do you envision the, the distribution of this passing volume here for the Chargers? Well, as the third best team in California, or in Los Angeles, I guess is the best way to put it, the third best team in Los Angeles behind the Rams and the Raiders, I think the Chargers are going to have a very good opportunity to put some points on the board again this season because Justin Herbert is healthy. That's the key here that we got to go with. The Chargers, they have to stay healthy. Start off the season, Justin Herbert had that rib injury. Keenan Allen went down. Mike Williams went down. There's a reason why Quinton Johnson was drafted in the first round. It's insurance policy for Mike Williams, who eventually is probably, more than likely, almost certainly, going to go down yet again. Probably once, <laughs> probably twice, probably even a third time at some point. I love Keenan Allen. I really do. Keenan Allen was one of the best wide receivers over the last six games of the season. I think he was like top 10 in fantasy points for each of those weeks. I mean, absolutely fantastic. If you're looking for a wide receiver, you maybe go running back heavy in the first few rounds of your fantasy draft. Keenan Allen, to me, is a top 10 fantasy wide receiver this season. I don't care that he's 31 years old. Now, we look at the numbers here. Why did Herbert struggle on top of that rim injury? He had Allen. He had Williams. Both missed a combined 11 games. 11 games. There's a reason why this Chargers offense was 14th in yards per attempt at 6.1. Injuries. And their defense, they didn't do them any favors on the other side of the ball. So this is a team that is looking to improve everywhere. We talk about this over and over and over again. Health is key for this Chargers team. They are healthy right now going into the season. Going into the season, they should be one of the best offenses in the league. They had 300, I think they were second best passing offense, but they're the 30th run offense because Austin Eckler doesn't run the ball. This is not what they do. They have, that's a passing game. That's an extension of the run, which is, I always find funny. When you look at these numbers, you're like, oh, the Chargers have a bad run game. Not really because Eckler, what he does is an extension of the run game in the pass game. It's not like Eckler's going out there running deep, routes every single time it's these hitches that he's taking five six seven yards so again i think when you look at the numbers it's a little bit misleading seeing them as the 30th best run team even with austin eckler there but it's gotta be first off they gotta get over that uh afc wild card 27 to 7 blowing halftime right that's the first thing i mean that's gonna stick with a man that sticks with it. you ask those houston oilers teams from way back when about buffalo bills and frank reich they still remember that that still affected them seasons after it took place so hopefully the chargers have a very short memory and that's probably why we're seeing we saw that change at offensive coordinator gone because you have to score points. You can't just sit back on it. They have to attack. And Kellen Moore's teams in Dallas have typically attacked. So that's going to be a fantastic move for Justin Herbert, for Keenan Allen, for Mike Williams, for Quinton Johnson, for Austin Eckler. And like you said, Gerald Everett, who could be that tight end that rises from the ashes each and every year. We see a tight end that no one's talking about have a big season. Very good. Brian, you want to chip in there with uh, your thoughts on this passing offense and how you see it all going down? I mean, just kind of echoing a lot of of what Matt's already said there, um, those splits between Allen and Noah, with Keenan Allen and without him, you know, like you said, the the 10.4 yards per attempt without him and then the 11.2 yards with him, I think that's key. 
we saw so many more Mike Williams deep balls the year prior with Herbert, and we just didn't see that connection. Whether it was just the connection was off, we had Herbert's injury, we had so many issues there. But I think that, God, as I say it, I get scared. I think that this team has the biggest chance to disappoint because they have the weapons. They've got the running game. They've got the star quarterback. He's got the new contract. They've got this. Honestly, I think this offensive coordinator may take over as the head coach if, um, you know, he's on the hot seat. If they lose too many games early in the season, I could see them, you know, cutting this coach at some point this season. And Kellen Moore almost nailed multiple jobs this offseason or last offseason. So I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. But, God, they are setting us up to disappoint. And that's my fear here. Justin Herbert, you're not getting a discount on him. You're paying almost that premium price at his ADP. And do I think he could exceed his ADP? Absolutely. But I think that the chance that he disappoints or just breaks even, I think that is almost as equal. And that's my biggest fear here. Uh, as you said, Keenan Allen, he's going way later than I think he's going to finish. He's going as like an early 20s wide receiver. Jump on that. Mike Williams, I say let's play and roll the dice because I think Kellen Moore is going to get there. Uh, all these pieces are intriguing, but you know, I'm, I'm not selling everything to go all for the Chargers. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to be that top three offense. Or I'm not going to spend, you know, for those players to to hit those prices. Cleveland Browns fans know all about things going south, right? Cleveland Browns have been anonymous for bad things happening. There's a reason why we've talked about Chargers charging the last few <laughs> seasons, right? They've always had a team that, you, on paper, is absolutely stacked, top to bottom. And again, we're looking at that this year. Offensively, the pieces are there. Defensively. All the pieces are there. This defense comes and goes as Joey Bosa does. And unfortunately, Joey Bosa comes and goes as often as Mike Williams did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a fair take. And also, I want to talk about the running uh, aspect of this offense as well. So Austin Eckler, you, you mentioned he's getting up there a little bit as well. Uh, what happens if he goes down? What, what's the plan there at running back? We have Josh Kelly. Uh, we have, uh, I, I guess, Isaiah Spiller. So what's that? <laughs> I said Leonard it's Fournette a, gets signed. That's that's maybe maybe. Here. So it's 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 not pretty, you know. And uh, so you're asking a lot of Herbert there, and there's really nobody there to kind of keep uh, defenses honest from that perspective either. So I think that I think it really that kind of tells me that as a clear signal that this offense is going to run through Herbert, um, and he's definitely going to be a high volume option in, in the passing game, and probably a quarterback that I think we should keep an eye on. So. Well, that being said, let's go ahead then and go right into our fades and targets uh, section where we start with the all-target team. And who from this division can we not get enough of at their current ADP and redraft? And I did take Justin Herbert uh, for that reason. I think he's going to have a ton of volume. Uh, I, he can definitely scoot a little bit, get some uh, extra points with his feet. Um, I don't think he did that quite as much last year with the, with the injury that he was suffering through. Um, gutted it out to his credit. Uh, but I, I love him at value where he's going because he's going after five or six other quarterbacks, and you get the luxury of waiting a few rounds to for for a guy like Justin Herbert to pick up. And yes, he could be a disappointment. Yes, this offense could be a disappointment. That's kind of I guess baked in a little bit into his price. But considering um, what we just said, there's uh, even Eckler is not really a high volume. I mean, he got quite a few carries last year, a couple hundred, but he's not a he's not Derrick Henry. He's not Josh Jacobs. So they're going to throw the ball a ton. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to vary too much with game script either. So it's, for me, he's the guy that I want. I'm targeting of all the quarterbacks in the AFC West at ADP. So Matt, from the running back perspective, who in this division 
can you not get enough of at his current ADP and redraft? I am cheap. I'm Canadian and I'm frugal, right? We, we got to save every penny for the winter months up here. So I'm going to go with Samaje P. Ryan because he's free. He's cheap. I mean, he's kind of come up a little bit, but you look, I talked about this. He's going to be on the field because of his ability to pass block, right? Fifth best pass block rate amongst running backs last season. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. We've seen this in the past. The other thing he's done is been able to show that he can be a workhorse when given the opportunity to do so. We saw this in Cincinnati. He was averaging like 111 yards. But here's the key. He doesn't turn the ball over. He hasn't fumbled since 2017. If you want to make a good impression on your new head coach, don't turn the ball over and keep your quarterback from hitting his ass on the turf. I mean, that's the two best ways to make a good impression. And Samaji Pirine can simply do that. When we get to... I mean, if I love Samaji Pirai, that means I probably don't like somebody else on this Broncos backfield. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's a little bit of foreshadowing. But I love Pirai. He can do everything. And I just don't think that he's come in there just to give Williams a break. I think this is going to be a 50-50 split at worst. I mean, I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see P. Ryan in the run game. We're going to see him in the pass game. We're going to see him in short yardage. We're going to see him on third down. So the two-minute drill, we're going to see him. And it's not that Javante Williams can't be a pass catcher, because he can. We've seen it. When we talk about my fades, I'll talk a little bit more about someone else. <laughs> All right. So, Brian, we turn over to you now for the wide receiver spot. Who are you uh, targeting in this division? Who can you not get enough of at ADP? Well, the listeners are going to feel like they just rewound the podcast back like 20 minutes, but we're going to bring Sky Moore back into the picture because right now I just can't get enough of him in, in redraft. Uh, Sky, like we said, he's an, he's an emerging uh, prospect, uh, strong college stats, but like we said, just very underwhelming in that first year. Uh, he's got the increased playing time coming at him, a vacant slot role, and his, I mean, it's the potential is, is what re- remains intriguing for me. Uh, despite the competition, he lacks solid metrics and playing time, but I think we're going to see just how low of, I mean, what would I say he was? He's going as uh, 11th round. So taking him over Jamison Williams with his six-game suspension, Alan Lazard, Adam Thielen, Tyler, none of these guys get me excited. You're telling me I could potentially have the top receiver second target for the greatest quarterback playing the game right now. I'm all for that investment. I keep trying to take pieces of the Chiefs offense just because I, th- I think it's a good investment. Uh, no matter what pieces you're taking, whether it's Kelsey in the first round, Patrick Mahomes kind of early or some of these late these uh, dart throw wide receivers. But it doesn't get much better than Sky Moore as far as a uh, <laughs> the 53rd wide receiver coming off the board. Nobody else has the potential that he has this late. Except Love it. Justin Great Ross. work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my guy, Justin Ross. That's right. Uh, Matt, let's talk about your uh, target in this division, uh, tight end. So is uh, who, who in the tight end are you liking at their ADP? Listen, I'm going to rattle off some names and you tell me if this is, remember that one, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Brooklyn nine, nine where captain Holt shows up these two pitchers, uh, like one, he's like, one's a landfill, one's your locker, which one's yours? And Jake Peralta goes, <laughs> that one. He goes, no, they're both your locker. Well, listen, Austin Hooper, Michael Mayer, uh, Greg Dolce, the Candyman, Adam Troutman. <laughs> I mean, Gerald Everett, he could be something, but he's a bit of a sleeper here. It's Tra- Travis Kelsey shouldn't even be mentioned with these guys. We're talking about playmakers. I mean, you cannot 
honestly be like, yeah, I'm going to target a tight end out of the AFC West and it not being Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey should be compared to Keenan Allen, which he's better than. Devontae Adams, where he's more likely in line with. It doesn't matter if Travis Kelsey is going top six. He's the target in this this whole offense. It doesn't matter. If Travis Kelsey has a first-round ADP, he's still the only tight end worth targeting. I'm not targeting Austin Hooper. I'm not targeting a rookie tight end. I'm not targeting Gerald Everett, even though I think he could be something. If I'm getting Gerald Everett as my tight end one, I'm in trouble already. I've already (laughs) messed something up along the way. Yeah, that that is fair. I mean, I kind of like uh, Everett as a sneaky pick, but we talked about all those. Uh, all those options in in uh, Los Angeles, and it's uh, we know Kelsey's getting the ball every game. We don't know that for Everett or anyone else in this division for sure. So from the off fade team, who from this division are we passing on and letting our league mates draft at ADP and redraft? Brian, we'll start with you. Quarterback spot. Who are you fading? Well, we've got two solid quarterbacks in this division. I'll let you guess who those are, and we've got the other two guys. I don't want to touch. Uh, most of these two other guys, Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo, these are guys you're going to be looking at in super flex leagues. <laughs> if you're having to pick up Russell Wilson in a regular league, I am so sorry. It must be a 32 team. <laughs> but I just I don't want anything to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. You're probably going to have to look at him in a super flex. And I don't remember which one of y'all said it. He's not going to finish the season. I hope he does. I'm not rooting for him to go down. But for me as a player, I can't play in to have Jimmy G as my quarterback two for an entire season. And for those reasons, I'm out. You know, give me Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Give me even C.J. Stroud. Matthew Stafford. I bet you Stafford plays more games than Jimmy G. And that is a stupid bet any day of the week. But you know what? <laughs> it's just it's the way I feel here. Jimmy G. He's he's great when he is, but we QB two. No thanks. I'm out. All right. So Matt, um, I know that you've kind of um, you haven't really given us any hints to this at all. There's this big shroud of mystery over who you're going to fade at running back on the all-fade team. So talk to us about who you're fading uh, here in the AFC West at running back. Well, first off, kudos to Jimmy Garoppolo, who when God gave him an option between during, choosing looks or durability, he went with the right option, went with good looks. Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is <laughs> a good-looking dude. Now, for my fade... <laughs> I don't know how much I can say this. You look around this. Josh Jacobs, I'm not fading Josh Jacobs. Austin Eckler, you're not going to fade Austin Eckler. Isaiah Pacheco, there's no need to fade him. He's already RB32. So why would you fade a guy that's already outside the top 30 running backs? It's Javante Williams. I have trust issues. I don't trust Sean Payton. I don't trust anybody who lets the guy who played uh, King of Queens as him in his own movie. I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to fade Javante Williams because I don't trust that knee. Yes, the talks are all good, but the talks were all good about J.K. Dobbins last season. Baltimore was positive about him entering the season, and that didn't turn out very good. We're talking about a running back coming off an ACL and an LCL injury. Now, if you're in Dynasty, Javante Williams is fine. He's still a top 10 running back in Dynasty. I just don't see him being that outlier. He could be an Adrian Peterson. He could be a Jamal Charles. We've seen running backs with knee injuries, significant knee injuries, come back and play at a high level. But the signing of Samaje P. Ryan is telling me that Javante Williams is not going to be given the load that he had last season and that the Broncos want to kind of go with a load management type situation there in Denver. So for that, Javante Williams, I'm kind of backing out. Now, when I say fade, you got to understand this. We're not fading a player completely. There's a time and place in which a fade becomes a value. If I've already gone 
Like right now, I think Javante Williams is going in the eighth round. That's that's good value. If I've already got two running backs, maybe even a third running back already, I may be thinking about Javante Williams at that point. So if I go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, I have no problem going Javante Williams in the up into the fifth round because I've already taken that risk out of there. I've got two stud running backs, more than likely, ahead of Williams. So when I say fade, it's just one of those guys I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on because I don't want the risk associated with him unless I find a way to uh, mitigate that to a degree. Classic Raiders yeah. fan moving away from disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add I add on to the uh, I'm just gonna pile on to Javante Williams here too, and I'm gonna point out you, know, you mentioned it's not one new ligament like it is in the case of Brees Hall, it's two, uh, so that's definitely not something. It's just surprising to me that he's back uh, really looking hitting the ground running before Brees, which is which is surprising. But I I definitely had concerns about the the, the load management. They brought in some IGP Ryan like you mentioned before for a reason, and honestly, it goes even beyond for me the injury. Because if we look back at Javante Williams, at no point has he ever carried the load by himself as a primary back for an entire season. And this goes back to college when he was at UNC and Michael Carter was there. So he's never been a, a workhorse that we've seen week in, week out over the course of a long haul. And now he's coming off of two uh, torn knee ligaments. I just can't see it. I can't see it. So I'm 100% on, uh, on board with you, Matt, on fading Javante Williams. So that being said, let's go on now to the wide receiver position. Uh, and Kadarius Tony, uh, I feel like it's. I feel like I, I apologize. I feel like it's kind of like a pinata in this episode. We we we, beat, we kind of hit him a few times uh, before when we were talking about fading him at value. I know Matt, you're not high on him, and uh, I was high on on him. I was enamored with the talent, with the raw tools. Uh, but you mentioned that game earlier, Matt, against the Dallas Cowboys, where he went off 170 yards. He didn't even finish that game. He got booted out. Remember, he was he was ejected from the game. So we 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 didn't even see him finish that. He could have had two hundred yards, you know. But that's just the kind of game. Was kind of a microcosm, really, of who he is and what his career is. And you know, I don't want to call him a flash in the pan, but I I hope for his sake that he can kind of turn it around. Being around a guy like Patrick Mahomes, being around a coach like Andy Reid, I'm not ready to completely and totally write him off yet. Um, but he still hasn't faded quite a bit yet for me to the point where I'm willing to take that risk because there's a ton of baggage here. I mean, like if, if this guy was frying frontier, he'd be paying like $2,000 just to step on the plane. So, I mean, this, this guy, I, I just can't trust it. Like you talked about trust issues with, with Javante, Javante Williams. I've got it with Kadarius Tony. So there's that. So moving on now to Matt, uh, to tight end, who are you fading uh, at the tight end position uh, in the AFC West? Once again, I was told that I was beaten with the ugly stick growing up as a child. Well, you should be beating Canarius Tony with the fade stick. It's that simple. I mean, that, that's where we're at. But if we're talking about a tight end, listen, there's, we're talking about where the ADP is kind of going here and whatnot. It's Michael Mayer. Why? Because he's a rookie, and rookies don't pay off in redraft. They never have. They never will. Even when Kyle Pitts went off for 1,000 yards, he only had, like, one touchdown, and that doesn't even really count because it was, like, in London. It wasn't even in North America <laughs> at the time. So, I mean, you look at this. Rookie tight ends are not going to produce. So let's not sit here and try and pretend to make something out of something that's not. We can't be making uh, – Chicken soup out of chicken. Well, you know how the line goes, right? That's what we're talking with rookie tight ends. You can't do it. Don't do it. It's not going to work. It never has. And it never will. So 
Stop trying to make Michael Mayer something here this season. Now, year two, year two is when we see those breakouts at the tight end position. We could talk about Michael Mayer being a target next season, but right now as a rookie, he's a fade. All right, Brian, you want to add anything on to Michael, Michael Mayer or tight, rookie tight ends in general? I don't touch him. I get it. It's a stupid yeah. thing to follow, but I don't touch him. I've been disappointed too many times. I don't touch tight ends, if we're being honest. If I don't get Kelsey, last pick of the draft. I'll figure it out. Yeah, and uh, we talk about Mayer, and I don't want to cross streams too much here, but you're looking. This is a very deep class from a dynasty perspective. I love Mayer. I love Sam Laporta. I love Dalton Kincaid from a dynasty perspective. But in redraft, it's a hard sell for me uh, with at least seven to eight tight ends who I can count on for pretty significant production. And if I don't get one of them, I'm looking at a to settle for a guy like Gerald Everett or something, something of his ilk. And I, I'm more confident in Gerald Everett being productive than I am a, a Mayer or a Laporta or even a Kincaid. So, uh, yeah, rookie tight ends just in general just kind of stay away. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Musgrave is the number one. I wouldn't be surprised oh, if yeah, Luke Musgrave, Musgrave was the number one tight end when it's all said yeah. and done. I, st- stop it with the rookies. Yeah. I, that's one I can actually kind of see in a minute in, in a way because we that's so much uncertainty with that offense. But even so, he, like we said, he's got a couple strikes against him uh, as a rookie walking right right in there. So um, anyone else we didn't think talk about much as a target or fade? I know we snuck in some some Hunter Renfro talk in there. Uh, hold, uh, going once, going twice. Sold. All right, moving on to our two-minute drill. Over, under, season win totals. And this is from FanDuel as of just Monday, just as, just the other day. So the number for Denver, the Denver Broncos is eight and a half with a little bit of slightly, slightly tilted to the under. So Matt, where are you on Denver? In my seasonal projections, I got them at eight and nine. So I'm taking the under on this one. All right, Brian. You know, Russ has hurt me in the in the past and I'm ready for him to hurt me again. I'm going to over. I think Sean Payton's going to get this figured out. I think we're going to have a hell of a one-two punch in that backfield with those running backs. I think this offensive line's going to lock it up just enough. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to squeak out maybe nine, maybe ten wins. Holding out on us with the optimism for the Denver Broncos. and very Somebody good. has okay. to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very kind of you. Very kind of you. All right. I'm going under with Matt on this one on the Broncos. So um, there's just a lot of un- unanswered questions here. Uh, I have I have concerns about Javante Williams. Uh, I have concerns about Russell Wilson being able to turn it around in a brand new offense. And we've got a couple of person. Uh, Sean Payton is, of course, the strong personality. Uh, he's not exactly making friends on the way in here. Uh, so I know the Bron- the defense should be pretty solid, but uh, it's like you said before, it's a tough division. You got the Chiefs, uh, you got the Chargers, who we think are going to be good. We don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm a little worried about the Broncos uh, being able to show. Uh, if I have to pick, am I, are they a nine and eight team or an eight and nine team? Which the centralist line is making me do. I'm going to slightly lean to the under there because I can see more things going wrong than going right. Do, do they have the ceiling? Sure. Could they make the playoffs? Yes. But I'm, I'm, if I had to choose one side or the other, under. Kansas City, 11 and a half. Matt. Listen, I got them at 14 wins, so I'm taking the over on this. And the thing I love about this division is Denver, Las Vegas, and the Chargers are all going to cannibalize each other. I can see them all splitting their contests. The thing I don't see is anyone splitting with the Chiefs. So that's six wins for the Chiefs right there in the division. And after that, they only need six more wins with everyone else that they're playing. So I'm taking the over pretty easily. Brian. 
Over. Enough said. <laughs> yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly there, Matt. I think I'm also over an 11 and a half. That's, that's a very generous line, I think. Uh, and that's one that I'm, I'm happy to pounce all over. So as long as Patrick Mahomes stays upright, uh, the Chiefs will have no problems winning at least 12 games. So He can throw the ball horizontally. I believe in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? He might, as long as it doesn't blink horizontally, right? That's not, oh, wait, we all blink horizontally. The vertically we have to worry about, right? All right, <laughs> nine and six and a half, Las Vegas. Uh, Matt, well, give me, a, give me a, a take on the on the Raiders at six and a half. I am smashing the over. We're talking about smashing the over on the Chiefs. I will smash the over on the Raiders. Six wins last season. I told you they lost nine of 13 games by less than a score. All they have to do is win one of those games this year, and they hit the over. I think that the Raiders and the Broncos are going to be battling each other at that 8-9, and 9-8 type range. I want to say the Raiders win nine games in 2023. All right. Ooh, spicy. I like it. Uh, Brian, Las Vegas, six and a half. I think Matt found himself the 22 Seahawks here, but I, I don't think that's what we're going to be getting. I think they're going to be under. I uh, just no, have no faith. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got a little bit of Patriot bias here. As a Colts fan, I don't like Josh McDaniels. So I also don't think he's a great head coach, but I just don't see this team holding it together. I even love the rumors of Devontae Adams going to the Jets. Let's see it happen, you know? Yeah, I'm going under also. Sorry, Matt. Uh, I have six. If I'm gonna have to pick, are they a, are they a seven uh, and and you know a seven win team, an eight win team, or are they gonna go or under? Uh, I'm leaning six. I think I think they could basically they're gonna do a groundhog day of last year where they could be kind of you know biting kneecaps like the like the, the lions of the AFC to stay in games, but just not being able to close. Uh, I, I do worry about that defense. Uh, being able, not being able to hold the other team out of the end zone, so I think that's kind of be the going to be the Achilles heel. Now, if that defense takes a step, if they really kind of really um, you know show out and they start to run, stop the run better, and more importantly, the pass, which is they could really have been their Achilles heel, uh, then I can definitely see uh, the Raiders uh, hitting the over, and it is possible. But if I had to pick a side, I am going under. So, Los Angeles Chargers nine and a half. Matt, what do you got? I hate doing this because I, I hate predicting teams hitting the over when they're in the same division as my team. But at <laughs> nine and a half, I've got the Chargers winning t- 10 games this season, finishing 10 and seven and being in that wild card race. I think 10 wins is what you need to even have a sniff of the playoffs in the AFC. Does 10 wins get you in? Probably not. There's going to be some weird ass tiebreaker formula that comes into play that. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to break down. I know the Chargers are going to be in the conversation, but somehow, some way, the tiebreaker is going to find a way to charger the Chargers and have them on the outside looking in. <laughs> That's fantastic. Brian, it's nine and a half Chargers. This one, I was very close to going to the under. Like I said, I think they have a lot of great things in place, but the Chargers are one of those teams, like the Lions, like the Falcons, like the Bengals of the past who they can look great on paper, but they just find a way to lose and disappoint their fans. And I think the Chargers are going to barely squeak the over. But I don't think they're going to be happy about it. Yeah, I'm going over on the Chargers. So I can see the disappointment potential there. But I, I just I believe in the offense. I believe in what Kellen Moore is going to do for this team. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of weapons there. And we didn't even talk about some of the 
Uh, we the, we talked about the lack of depth in the running back position, uh, but something happens to to um, Mike Evans or excuse me with uh, Mike Williams, then you have Quentin Johnson ready to take ready to prime to take on a larger role. Um, and in fact, that might even be his role next year because I think Mike Mike Williams is a free agent next year, right? Um, and then you have Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer, nothing. He's not a, a you know a world beater, but he's a solid NFL wide receiver. So something happens, he can certainly kind of step in. And as long as Herbert plays as Herbert can, uh, I think he's going to help carry the carry the muster there a little bit. So between all of those guys there, I think that offense is going to be good enough to help lead that team to ten wins. Uh, and I think there is enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to kind of help them, uh, you know, lock it up in, in close games uh, more often than not. So moving on to our last segment, our four downs with our guests. So, Matt, this is for you. When did you start playing fantasy football, and who do you remember as the stars on your first squad? I can't remember if I started in 99 or 2000, but I do remember winning a championship in 2000 with Rich Gannon, Marshall Fall, Corey Dillon, Jimmy Smith, Eric Moulds, Tim Brown, and Frank Wycheck. I mean, I remember that being my uh, – we, I remember when you win this championship trophy, you put your starting lineup on a placard, and that goes on the trophy. It's like the Stanley Cup. So every champion is on this – it's like six feet tall now. I mean, we keep adding a new cool. base to it. It's our home league. It's been fantastic. But I remember that that's – that's probably my favorite roster ever because I think I had like the top pick or one of the top picks. It was Marshall Falk. Back in the day, if you had that running back, you were winning. Whether that was Priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, there was always that one running back that was absolutely going to annihilate everybody. It wasn't even fair. I mean, that's, I think, why we changed the whole rules. I think Falk was top 10 in like rushing and top 10 in receiving that season. So, I mean, he had a big year. And Rich Gannon, I think he was a top 10 quarterback. And actually, Jimmy Smith and Eric Moulds, if I'm not mistaken, had better seasons than Tim Brown did in 2000. So that, that should tell you all you need to know about that. Yeah, and I'm just happy to see the Delaware Blue Hand there, uh, Rich Gannon, getting some love and immortalized forever on your trophy. That's pretty cool. So <laughs> uh, you don't often see somebody from Delaware make it to the big time. They get on the home league trophy. That's pretty awesome. But I love the idea of having that starting lineup on the trophy. That's super cool. Um, I'll have to bring that to my, to my home league. When I counted it after my last time, Frank Gore's name was represented on the trophy more than any other player. I mean, he's been playing for the last six decades. I'd hope so. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, he, the guy, I, mean, I can't believe that he's uh, who's, I wonder who the next Frank Gore is going to be from a guy who just kind of hangs around longer. So I guess Jerick McKinnon's on his way, right? He's 33 and right. still productive. So, all right, how long have you produced fantasy football content, and how, how did you get your start? Uh, that's always a fun one. I always get this question. I want to say from a content creation standpoint, what do we got? We're at Scott Fishbowl 13 right now. Uh, Scott Fishbowl 8 would have been when I started because I have a confession to make, and some people who've listened to my show know this. I'm a very, very petty individual. I really am. And I make no qualms about it. I'm totally comfortable admitting it. But I remember sitting in the Scott Fishbowl with analysts and me being a fan at the time. And I'm like, I'm sure the big names are the big names. There's some other ones. I'm like, okay, look at this. I can do this. I'm like, why am I just a fan? And I had talked to a buddy from my home league back here in Medicine Hat. And I'd be like, we've been talking and joking about starting a website once upon a time. And going in and out of it. And then at that point where I got that fan designation, like, no, we're doing it. We are doing it. And I remember halfway through the season, maybe week two, week three of the Scott Fishbowl, 
emailing Scott going, hey, Scott, I'm not a fan anymore. I've got my own website. Can I change fan and put Dynasty Vipers on there? So that's kind of where that whole content creation came from. And you know what it's like. I mean, you start working on one thing and then it's another, and then it's another, and it's another. Good thing I don't really do much of the website because I'm a horrible writer. I mean, <laughs> listen to me talk, right? Listen to me talk and then try and read what I'm saying. It is not good. Like, right, that, that sentence, right? That is not good. It, it makes no sense. It's not proper English. So I'm glad I'm more radio, TV than anything else because my writing just drove editors nuts. Yeah, well, you're, I'll tell you what else is great about you, too, is your rankings. I was just one year removed, I think, from number two overall, Fantasy Pros, right? Well, that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. So, yeah. So don't sell yourself short. That was a fantastic accolade there. In the last season, I think I was top 10 when it came to quarterback rankings, top 25 when it came to wide receiver rankings. But don't ask me about running backs or tight ends because <laughs> apparently I totally dropped the ball on that. Makes yeah. me feel better about Javante. nice all right question number three any passion projects or charities of choice that you want to talk about or promote absolutely i got two big things going on right now i'm in with the pros versus joe or pros with joe's pardon me and right now i'm a big shark week guy it's my favorite week of the year Forget fantasy football draft week. I'm a shark week guy because first off on my bucket list is I want to be put into a cage with great whites all around me and throw a little chum in there. I mean, the adrenaline that would come from that would be absolutely fantastic. So that's on my bucket list. That may be the end of my bucket list, but that's definitely on the bucket list. But I also know that every year when shark week comes up, it's me and my boys and my daughter we all sit around and we watch it. It's something that we enjoy together. So when the opportunity came to represent a charity, I go, hey, let's do something for sharks. Let's do something with conservation for these animals, the ecosystem, because I want I want this to continue. I want Shark Week every single year. I don't want this to end. This is something that I enjoy with my kids and this and that. And I don't know what the number is, but if you want to go out there, check out my Twitter. I mean, I'm dropping scandalous pictures of myself left, right, and center. I've done a nice <laughs> little bearskin rug glamour photo asking for Damn. donations. I recreated the bow nose photo with the baseball bat and the shoulder pads. Check it out. A lot of topless pictures of me going around on the uh, X, right? Right? X, that's what we call it now. Yeah. Well, I am the X-rated fantasy superstar as far as that's all concerned. And the other thing I've got going on right now is our Dynasty Vipers Charity League. We want to hit 50 people. Uh, We do this for kids' sport here in Canada because I think it's important that all kids play sports. All my kids have done it growing up. It creates character in each and every one of them. Unfortunately, not every kid can play, right? The costs are absolutely ridiculous. I know in Canada it's about $1,000 just to play hockey, and that doesn't even count the equipment that goes into it. So I'm that's what the Dynasty Vipers Charity League kind of supports each and every year. I think we have 17, 18 people right now. We want to hit 50 because that ends up paying basically for one person's hockey that year, right? That's one of those things. If we can help one person play, that, that's all we ask for. We don't ask for a whole heck of a lot. And the best part is, just for signing up and donating that $20, you automatically get a digital copy of the award-winning consistency guide courtesy of Bob Lung. So you're getting a consistency guide for $25. You're donating to charity, and you get a shot at the title, which we get a nice snakeskin belt courtesy of Trophy Smack along the way. That's fantastic. Love it. Absolutely love it. 
that's some great, great stuff. So yeah, and and hockey is a, it's a great, great experience too. I'm I have two young boys, and they're just getting into hockey now, and they're uh, and they they're loving every second of it. We're very lucky and fortunate that they're able to do that. And what a great cause to to get more people on the ice and enjoying such a fine sport. Uh, and uh, and have, it's a great way to to, to spend time and uh, build camaraderie with uh, with other other kids uh, doing something really really fun. So that's fantastic. All right, uh, plug time. I know you're uh, producing content. You mentioned Dynasty Vipers. Uh, we mentioned uh, the Pros with Joes. Where else can people follow you? Check out your work. I am everywhere. There is fantasy going on right now. I mean, we get the Vipers Network there on the YouTube channel. Check it out. New content every single week. I think we've hit over 200 videos so far in 2023, and we haven't even hit the NFL season. You can catch me over at fantasypoints.com. I do some TikTok, not TikTok, I have some shorts I do over there. And I I do a lot of stuff in the Discord channel there. So if you got fantasy football questions, make sure you're subscribed to Fantasy Points and get into that Discord. And then over at Rotoballer, I got some short videos going on at Rotoballer on the YouTube. Apparently, I have a face for, well, I get, let's be honest, it's the mustache. Nobody's here to look at the rest <laughs> of my face. I don't even, I'm like, I have to tell people like, hey, my eyes are right here. My eyes are right here. Stop staring at the mustache. I'm more than just a mustache. But I mean... I've been very fortunate to be able to do that kind of stuff. So, and I mean, check out the expo. Uh, they dropped the video there. So for some reason they had me on the redraft panel of experts. I don't know why, but somehow I weaseled myself on there. Check out that. If you're looking for redraft strategies. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. I uh, appreciate you and your time. Uh, that's going to do it for the AFC West. Stay tuned for the next episode in our division preview series coming up soon. And in the coming days, uh, the NFC, the NFC West will be coming up next. Until then, you can find us on that site, formerly known as Twitter, now X. He's at Matt Donnelly FF. Uh, we have at too much underscore Brian. I am at Drew Delaware. And, of course, you can find the both of us on at the QB list. Look for our sit start and what we saw series on QBList.com, also on Reddit via the fantasy football subreddit once the season starts. And, of course, we're going to be doing more with them this season. It was an awesome opportunity to do the AMA with them this past weekend loved every second of that and looking forward to doing more content with there on reddit this season so as always we're also available wherever you download your favorite podcast thanks for listening 